0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transportation Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cuddy. On today's episode, we're excited to welcome James Menzies, editor with Today's Trucking and TruckNews.com. James, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, so we wanted to dive in. It's a new year. Uh, We're into 2022, finally done with 2021. I think everyone's happy to move on from that year. But I thought it would be a great time to kind of reflect on what happened in that year uh, as regards to the market, the industry as a whole, and kind of just do a little dissection of what we saw, and you know, chat about what we think uh, we're looking into for 2022. So I guess we'll start off, you know, high level. What uh, what was the overall overview of the market from 21?
1: Well, it, it was a unprecedented year for sure. I mean, um, I've been covering trucking now in Canada for for 20 years, and it's the craziest year that I've ever been through. And you've been in the industry for a long time, and I'm sure you'd say the same. Yes. Overall, for truckers, it was it was a good year. Um, there was tons of freight out there. Rates were up at record levels. Freight volumes were at record levels. And normally when, when things are like that and the conditions are good, truckers go out and they get new trucks and then they add capacity and then the rates go down and it's a it's a cycle and yes. then they're their own worst enemies. But this time around, they weren't able to do that because of the supply chain issues that, you know, we were reading about all throughout the year and they couldn't get new trucks and they couldn't get drivers because there's a massive labor shortage right across all industries. So they weren't able to add that capacity, which meant rates stayed up, rates stayed high. There was tons of freight. Um freight increases were, rate increases were accepted by shippers. They were more concerned about getting the capacity they need to keep their businesses going. So all things considered, it was a good time to be a trucker.
0: Yeah. So I guess the flip side, it can't get equipment. And that's kind of what we saw, you know, from my side of it, you know, driving costs rising. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they have to offset, yes, you've got rates going up, which is nice, um, but on right behind it, <laughs> you're not really faring any better because your, your costs are rising overall.
1: Yeah, I saw an interesting um, comment the other day from an industry analyst. They said that it's not just a microchip shortage right now. It's an everything shortage for truckers. Um, I've heard that diesel exhaust fluid prices might double next year because there's a shortage of, of urea. And that is being directed in China to there's a shortage of fertilizer. So they're redirecting it towards a food supply rather than, than um, for trucks. But trucks can't run without diesel exhaust fluid. So there could be a potential shortage of that in, in this year to look forward to. Um, we've heard about tire shortages at times. All the attention gets put on the the microchip shortage, but there's really a shortage of all kinds of different components. And then the prices, too, are so hard to predict because we saw what happened with lumber last year. It spiked before it pulled back. Same can be said for steel and aluminum and all these raw materials that go into building trucks and trailers.
0: Yeah, I mean, we saw, it. you know, surcharges were being applied at every aspect at the OEM level, um, you know, supplier level to the OEMs. Everything was just getting... Risen from a cost point of view, and then pass through. And I think the everything shortage, I think, really sums up kind of how that year finished because it was a microchip that was the you know the the main focus, and we saw it you know on our our side. But then you know you you'd get the microchip thing figured out, and then something else would be short. It'd be you know resin for injection molding. It would be rubber for anything, tires, um, you know, uh, airbags for suspensions, like all these little things that. You don't realize are in a truck um, until they're not on the truck. We need to kind of deliver it,
1: right? And um, you mentioned surcharges. Why well, I, recently I, I saw a fleet in the U.S. Fleets are being very creative now in how to deal with these um, driver shortages, primarily. And uh, one U.S. fleet charged a driver shortage surcharge <laughs> to customers, and um, I don't know whether it's going to stick. Um, but it's an interesting thought. They're doing. They're being very creative to find ways just to to keep um, to keep on top of the rising costs. Now, the other thing that was really unique last year is that we saw these so-called uh, red tag units being built, where the OEMs would produce trucks that are lacking the microchips or whatever other part they're, they're lacking, park them. And then that way, when that part comes in, they can quickly put the part in, ship it to the customer, and then convert it to a sold uh, status. Um, at one time, uh, there's estimates that there were 25,000 trucks parked in parking lots waiting for that one component that they needed before they could be shipped, so that's going to be interesting to see when that um, bottleneck ends. And then that'll hopefully resume the, the flow of trucks to the fleets that need them so badly.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we obviously we were affected by that. And then we would see, finally get the trucks completed. And then with all the labor shortages, especially coming out of the States, is, okay, the truck's done. Well, we can't get the truck moved. Mm-hmm. You know, we <laughs> couldn't get it from the from the, from the manufacturer up, up to where we need it at the dealer level. So it would seem like you would solve one problem. Another problem would, would you know, rear itself, you know, throughout the year.
1: Yeah, it's been very difficult, especially for the one truck operators and those businesses that just have that one truck that's crucial to their business. Like I I wrote about one who's been waiting for a truck since the spring. He he still hadn't had it towards the end of the year, last I talked to him, and that was pivotal to his business. Um, You know, He's an arborist and he really needed that truck in order to do the work. So he's been taking on work, hoping he was going to have the truck and then having to outsource it for more money to his competitors.
0: Yeah, and well, we've seen that a lot. Just you just the line of sight of availability and timing is so fluid that mm-hmm. you you know, you you have a date and then it moves because there's so many factors that were driving it. So, you know, hopefully as we as we roll into this year, that kind of settles down. But mm-hmm. um, you know, to be seen, obviously. Um another factor that kind of came to light and then kind of got pushed to the side, I guess, until this year was the the ELDs. You know, that was supposed mm-hmm. to kind of turn on and go live and didn't really really happen
1: that's going to be one of the stories of of 2022 um because that law is supposed to come in and be mandated and enforcement um because it's already mandated but there's just no enforcement until next june and at that time it's going to be interesting to see how many fleets are compliant because of course in canada the elds have to be self or third-party certified so last i looked which was just um a couple weeks ago I looked and there were only eight devices that were certified. So there's a lot of devices in the market currently that aren't yet certified. And now the race is on to get them done so by by June. Otherwise, those fleets that are using uncertified devices are not going to be in compliance. And then if if a, whatever manufacturer VLDs isn't able to get certified, well, then the, the fleets that are using that device will have to swap them at it a at tremendous expense. And, and that's going to take a lot of time as well. Yeah. So
0: lots on the horizon for this year, as you kind of
1: so one problem, another one kind of to dig into
0: and get in front of. Yeah.
1: I think that ELD law is going to catch a lot of American fleets off guard because in the U.S. they don't have to be third-party certified. You can just say your device is certified because you say it's certified. So as a result, there are over 400 devices on the list of approved devices in the United States. And I think a lot of um, American fleets that come up to Canada are unaware that we've got a different system here. And they may be crossing the border with some non-compliant devices. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's a good point. And like you said, because of everything in the nature of the trade, everything's back and forth pretty, pretty
0: seamlessly. But obviously a, a rule like that with regards to certification different between the two nations is uh is gonna catch a few guys off guard for sure. Mm-hmm. So when we kind of go, you know, through the industry, I guess, you know, I'll say component component, but you know, layer by layer, uh, I mm-hmm. thought you know, we'd do a little dive into each one. And we'll start kind of with trailers, which is kind of the backbone of what moves everything for the most part. And that's usually mm-hmm. the leading indicator of the economy and what we see as far as the market uh you know, again,
1: huge backlogs, but with those guys as well, you're seeing. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, a lot of people think that Class A truck orders are a leading indicator, and they are. But um, industry forecasters that I've talked to actually say trailers are even more of a leading indicator. And the trailer manufacturers have been incredibly nervous about taking orders for for this year. And the reason for that is because they've had a real hard time getting the labor they need to staff up the um, the plants and getting the plants. And then they're they're having a hard time getting the the raw materials they go into making the the, the trailers. And they don't know what to the price them at. And I'm hearing some frustration from fleets that have orders in from trailer manufacturers. And then the manufacturer comes back and says, sorry, it's going to cost you 4000 more than, than we told you. Um, of course, they can't produce trailers at a loss, so it's they're in a tough a tough situation. Um, the trailer industry, there's tons of pent-up demand for trailers. If you can get a trailer, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> yeah, no, agreed. And we
0: saw, we you know, we carried some trailer lines. And we had that same struggle, too, as we ended the year, was people looking for quotes into 2022 and just... Not there, you know, not the factories aren't looking to put a number to anything until they have some certainty as to what's going on. So that was, you know, for fleets, that's a challenge because you're trying to budget, trying to figure out your costing for next year. And, you know, you can't even get an answer as far as A, availability, let alone the cost involved and any
1: certainty that it'll be produced in, in the year you need it. And it's a challenge for fleets, of course. It's also a challenge for those manufacturers because how do you price something when the cost of lumber, we saw it last year, it's a whipsaws, It goes way up and way down in no time and then you're just sort of stuck paying whatever it is in the market at the time.
0: Yeah, very very volatile. And and same thing when you know in the class 8, you know, obviously those two two products go side by side, but you know, we've talked a little bit about it, but you know, class 8 definitely seen the same sort of struggles.
1: Yeah, they are um, you know, I, I'm getting a greater sense of frustration between some from some of the fleets that can't get the trucks that they want because they're they're trying to grow their business or at least replace the trucks. And by running older iron what they're what they're doing is they're seeing their maintenance costs go up. And that's something that right now is just the cost of the business. Um, they're dealing with it in different ways. Um, one, one of Canada's largest fleets I know used to buy all his trucks for the U.S. division and from one supplier. Now he's he's buying from four next year, or this year. And um, and then we've got other fleets that are extending trade cycles. Some are turning. They're trying to lease vehicles when maybe they didn't do that before. They're doing whatever they can to get the equipment. And um, you know, there's winners and losers. The winners are the people with the trucks and the drivers, but um, then there's little niches of the industry that are, are winning too. I talked to a guy that sells aftermarket um, warrant or aftermarket warranty coverage, and that business is booming because they want to keep a keep a control over the maintenance costs that are going up.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And that's the, obviously if the new trucks can't replace the old, your maintenance costs are going to go up and there's obviously some parts and service tied into that. So the, you know, the industry that that supports the parts and service and aftermarket parts and warranty will definitely see a bit of a boom compared to previous years. Um, well, it takes a while for the new equipment to kind of roll back in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and another thing is, you know the, the market. It's a lot of its demand driving the the equipment, and obviously with with shortages we had in the first you know part of the pandemic that kind of delayed everything, and then the shortages and all the the componentry. But a lot of it now is not so much demand as far as the industry is booming, but it's demand to get equipment that they should have got,
1: and supply is kind of driving you know the overall availability in in, in terms of that market. Yeah, there's a tremendous ba- bottleneck right now, and the um the backlog is is I think at a record levels. Um, it's going to take some time to work through it. So, even if demand, freight demand softens, there's still going to be tremendous demand for new trucks through this year because there's still all that pent up demand that wasn't met last year. And then in the next segment of the market that sometimes gets forgotten in the big picture when everyone talks
0: trucks, you know, everyone focuses on the big highway trucks. Um, but medium duty is kind of the, the heartbeat,
1: especially of the cities and, and the local delivery. Um, what are some of the things you're seeing in that market? That market's booming. Um, I mean, what the pandemic has done to e-commerce is really accelerate the trends that were already there. And um, now there's just, I mean, you can see it on the streets just around here. There's deliveries being made day in, day out to homes. Uh, there's been this tremendous shift from business to business um, deliveries, from, from that to business to consumer deliveries, as we've seen with e-commerce. So as you say, all that product moves on smaller trucks, vans. There's a lot of demand for, for medium-duty trucks that can be driven without a CDL. Yeah. Um, just because of the lack of drivers that have a CDL. And I think that that's pulling away a lot of drivers from long haul because all of a sudden there's this demand for drivers that can be home every night. And, you know, in some cases, even, even use your own vehicles. Yeah, and
0: I, yeah, exactly. create their own hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little bit easier. You can you know, come home every night, not not as taxing necessarily on the body, um, mm-hmm. not so many regulations crossing the border, different things that you know guys aren't used to, um, but you still get to drive. You know?
1: Yeah, it's a different job. And for those that like to be in and out of the truck throughout the day and stretch your legs, I mean, it, it's an attractive job for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think the other part we're seeing
0: where I think this makes sense is the electrification of the fleets, which, again, driven by the Class 8, um, which we see just based on the volume of the equipment that usually gets sold. But I think the sweet spot in in that product line is the trucks that come home every night.
1: Mm-hmm. That was another theme that really emerged last year is this um, the advent of electrification. And um, I, I think that medium duty is really the perfect application for it, where those trucks return home where they can be charged every night. Um, they tend to do a lot of stop and start because they're in the city, and that regenerates the that regenerates the batteries through that regenerative braking. So I think that um, really the first frontier for electric commercial vehicles will be that medium duty space. We've seen a lot of new product introduced over the last year, and a lot more in the in the pipeline. So it's going to be, uh, I think, a, a good test case for electrification. Agreed. Yeah, the, the medium duty final
0: mile electrification totally makes sense. I know I've had past customers that you know do deliveries downtown Toronto. They're stopping every two blocks in you know in the weather in you know January like it is now. It's freezing, and if it you know it's a internal combustion truck. On off on off. The heat never gets warm enough. The guy's freezing all day. Where electric, the heat can be running the whole time, a little bit more comfortable for the driver you know, obviously better wear and tear on the vehicle. So, yeah, I think it, I think it is a sweet spot for, for that product line.
1: Mm-hmm. And are you seeing a lot of interest from um, from those buyers these days? Are they inquiring about uh, the medium-duty products?
0: Yeah, so I'm seeing on the fleet side especially, there's a lot of interest on, on all product lines. The medium-duty, again, I think is, is where they're seeing the sweet spot because of the infrastructure involved. They know they can put it in, you know, one warehouse or one location. It's going to come home every day. They don't have to kind of outfit it right across the country. Um, but there's definitely a lot of interest from the fleets as far as understanding what's involved, um, you know, what if any uh, is there rebates from, you know, what provinces, jurisdictions can they kind of tap into, uh, understand the full cost and really wrap their head around, you know, what it will do for your fleet, the, the ROI, you know, where, where do you kind of find that sweet spot, you know, for what they're looking to do. But we're, we're getting it from all sides. And the other side, we're seeing a lot of it too, is on the uh, yard trucks, so shunt trucks. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interest in it on that side as well, too. Again, those are very captive, so it's very sure. easy to kind of keep those things, you know, close to home for charging. So the medium duty and, and the and the yard trucks are the two places where we're starting to see some interest from from buyers.
1: I think that'll be the number two theme of this year after ELDs, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. the advent of electric electrification here in Canada. Agreed. And I think you know what we're seeing. You see it in the states, obviously the the subsidies that
0: they provide in California, you know, specifically definitely drive the, the the cost you know uh, recognizing to make sense right mm-hmm. so we don't quite see it here yet in canada so hopefully it's coming i mean you know, bc is pretty strong quebec is kind of right behind but those are the only two provinces so far mm-hmm. but you know as you're seeing more from say the ontario government with regards to personal vehicles so you think that'll kind of slowly spread out and you kind of need that little carrot to kind of get guys mm-hmm. going for it to make sense i think that's right yeah, and the other challenge we saw as we kind of wrapped up 21, I'm sure it's not going to change as we're into 22, was the port. That was the big kind of topic because that drove a lot of the shortages we saw. Was okay, we don't have equipment to make the vehicles, but part of it's because they're stuck in a port somewhere waiting to get in and get
1: offloaded. Uh, you know, kind of give us a little summary of what happened last year with that. Well, there were um, throughout the year there were record numbers of container ships sitting out uh, at anchor, uh, unable to get unloaded. Um, that was especially true of the US West Coast ports. And then in Canada, of course, we experienced our own problems because we had the fires in, in British Columbia. And then we had the flooding, and that cut the rail lines off from, from the port. There's always seems to be labor strife at, at the Canadian ports for whatever reason. Um, in December, there was talk about um, there was some, about 10% of the drivers that service the Vancouver port uh, threatened strike. It didn't happen. Um, but those issues tend not to just disappear. They tend to linger. And so that's something else to keep an eye on. So the ports are, are busy. Um, the rail lines are busy. Uh, the container truckers are busy. Um, some things have been done to alleviate that uh, pressure at the ports. I know that um, Joe Biden himself and the States got involved and said, you're going to have to start unloading these um, container ships 24-7, which is, you know, kind of kind of a bit of a shocker that that wasn't already taking place. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> But um, yeah, the ports are, are backed up and I, I don't see any end to that. Um, you know, and for shippers that bring in goods from, from China, they, they're struggling even to, to get these uh, containers and container chassis.
0: So as, as we roll into 22 and, you know, that kind of wholly, hopefully starts to kind of, you know, wean itself out and, and make sense. The other, I guess, challenge, especially in the States, and you'll know, be here in Canada as well, is, you know, vaccination mandates. Mm. That could be the next kind of hurdle for the industry to kind of wrap their head around.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting one because in January, um, this month, it's right upon us. But later this month, there's going to be um, there's going to be a requirement uh, for drivers entering Canada and for drivers entering the United States to be fully vaccinated. Here in Canada, I think from the numbers I've heard, uh, about seventy seventy five percent of of drivers are vaccinated. It's much lower in the states; right. it's closer to fifty percent. And the drivers are pretty strong minded, and those that aren't vaccinated now say that they're not going to. And that could take, I guess, the the number that the Canadian Trucking Alliance has thrown out there is about 38,000 drivers who do cross-border today that won't be able to do so. Now, some fleets have gotten really creative with that. We wrote about fuel transport in Montreal, who gave every driver who was fully vaccinated by January a $10,000 bonus. Wow. And they've got 100 drivers. That's a million (laughs) dollars. And that just speaks to the severity of this, because they need their their drivers to be able to continue crossing the border. But um, it's going to be interesting to see... What kind of incentives are put out there for drivers to get to get vaccinated, and do, do they actually go and get vaccinated, or or do they dig in their heels and find something else to do? Yeah, and if they find something else to do, it creates a second problem that we're kind of is lingering in the horizon, which is driver shortages. That's right. I mean, it's it's at record levels in Canada. I think we're short eighteen thousand drivers, and in the states, that's eighty thousand. And uh, in the states, that's the highest it's ever been. And um, the American Trucking Association says that if nothing is done. By 2030, they'll be short 160,000 drivers. And then the supply chain issues that we've seen over the last year are going to become permanent solely based on the, the shortage of drivers. Um, it'll mean things like you'll go to the superstore and there's going to be things that you expect to be there that just aren't there. Right. Because there aren't enough drivers to move that freight. So um, we spoke earlier about the, the company down there that um, that did a driver shortage surcharge and the funds collected from that go right to the driver's. So I think that um, that's great, but fleets are going to have to get really creative in, in how they make drivers want to do this work because it's a hard job. Um, the other thing that has to be acted on is that there's so much inefficiency in the system today. Um, studies in the state show that drivers of their 11 hours a day that they can drive there are only driving six. Oh, the rest of the time they're sitting, waiting to be loaded, waiting to be unloaded. Maybe they're sitting in traffic or, or waiting at a traffic jam. They're just not utilizing their time very well. And that's where I think shippers and receivers really have to step up and realize their role in the supply chain and help utilize driver's times better. Because then everybody wins. The shipper wins, the receiver wins, the carriers win, and the drivers win because generally they're only getting paid when they're driving. Right. That's a good
0: point. Yeah. So it makes them, you know more productive in what they're doing and you know a happier job for them too. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: so then it's a little bit, you know, a little bit easier to get things done. Drivers want to drive. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to sit. <laughs> yeah, no, for and sure. And it's just it's just incredible to hear these stories of drivers waiting six, eight hours to get loaded or unloaded. And then and then the shippers are are not they're not helping and the receivers, they won't let them park overnight quite often at their facilities. Um so the driver might have to go another fifty miles down the road to find a truck stop, park and then come back the next morning. They can't sleep overnight there. They can't um sometimes they'll they'll only load between nine and five right and also if the driver gets there at 10 to 5 uh, everyone's logging off and uh, and that he's got to wait till the next day uh, yeah and like i think you said given the climate we've had in the last year and a half these things just compounded even more mm-hmm. you know and some of these solutions are really simple and it just takes the willpower and it takes better communication between the carriers and the and the shippers and receivers
0: yeah no agreed and, and part of you know some way that the companies have been i don't say combating some of these challenges but we saw you know a lot of mergers and acquisitions going on and i think that'll continue to be the case as, as we go forward as well
1: yeah, interestingly, um, you know, one of the big buyers in Canada's marketplace, Titanium, said during their conference call with analysts most recently that there could be a great opportunity to acquire businesses in uh, in this year. And the reason for that is that, um, you know, they were unable to add trucks and their maintenance costs were going up. And if you're a smaller fleet, you know, it's even more difficult to get, get trucks than it is for the big guys. And interest rates are going up. The cost of everything is going up. So it might be an attractive time for that family trucking business to to sort of hang up the keys mm-hmm and uh, find a way to transition in retirement. And then the, the big ones that are always on the on the buy, the big Canadian publicly traded companies might have some really good opportunities. Yeah, well said. And I think
0: kind of as we wrap up the, the outlook for what 2022 is going to be, uh, to kind of end it on a positive, although I think we're still into some serious supply chain issues as, as we work through that, you know, and probably roll into the end of the year, if not into 23. Um, I think the uptick and the positive is, you know, freight is still expected to remain really strong.
1: Yeah. Um, it should be a great year for freight and freight demand. Um, it's going to take a while for this bottleneck of, of new trucks to get worked through. Um, so that's going to keep a limit on capacity. Rate should be strong um, as a result of that Drivers should be seeing some nice raises. Um, so there's going to be a lot of winners. It's, it's a good year I think to be in trucking. It's going to be a challenging year to manage a business because there are so many of these issues that are still unknown, but um, all indicators are that the economy should be strong the consumer just continues to drive it. True, and um, you know there's inventories that have to be replenished. So I'm expecting, and from everything I've read and heard from some of the industry forecasters I look to, they're they're saying that it should be a good good year to be in trucking.
0: Yeah, and no, I think so. I think there are some headwinds, but I mean we've been through I think some worse headwinds in the last year, year and a half. So I think I think the tailwinds are behind us. Um, there is some positive, you know, some things to work through, but I think of anything. That the pandemic showed us is the essentialness of the industry and the truckers themselves of, you know, the being the backbone of the economy. And like you said, we're seeing it. People keep buying people, you know, as, as people are back to work and, 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 you know, incomes coming back, people are buying. and Well, stuff has to get onto the shelves. And, you know, this is the industry that makes it happen.
1: Yeah. And what we've really also seen over the last couple of years is the resiliency of this industry. Yes. Despite all these challenges that we talked about today. Uh, it still continues to function. <laughs> Agreed. No. And Hey, I want to thank you for coming in, giving us a snapshot of,
0: you know, what we went through in 21 and a bit of an outlook for 22. And I think, uh, you know, there's lots more things to look forward to. I enjoyed
1: it. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent.
0: Well, that concludes today's episode. I want to thank James from today's trucking and trucknews.com and to catch up on past episodes, check out transportationexchangepodcast.ca until next time. Thanks for listening.